I've got a chair up here. Right. I want you to sit up in your chairs. Right back. And I want you to do me a favour. I want you to move forward in your chair twice, like this. Once. Twice. Okay, go ahead. Twice. Good. Where's Vanessa? Vanessa, that's the chairs dusted for this year. <laughs> I'm really helpful, you see. I, we need to look after this lady here. She works so hard. We'll do the other chairs next year, okay. I was reading last week about this judge. He was in this courtroom. He was in a really happy, festive mood. And he says to the man in the dock, what are you charged with? And the man says, doing my Christmas shopping too early. That's no crime, said the judge. I mean, we, a lot of people do their Christmas shopping early. How early are we doing the shopping? Before the shop opened. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, I suppose I'd better ask the question now, hadn't I? Have you all done your Christmas shopping and done it early, I hope? Is everything on target for next year? Uh, next Christmas? Before I start the message this morning, I, I've got some really important information for you. I've been studying this. The British psychologist, David Lewis, he's an author... He's founder of and director of MindLab International, which is based in Sussex. And he's reported that Christmas shopping is hazardous to men's health. <laughs> Are you hearing this, ladies? Christmas shopping is hazardous to men's health. He tested male volunteers by sending them out to do Christmas shopping, and he recorded from them blood pressure rates <laughs> that you would expect to see in a fighter pilot going into combat. <laughs> and according to the same tests, only one woman in five showed any significant sign of stress, and the rest had ice in their veins. <laughs> I loved that story this week. I saw this, this young girl who went to see Santa and she sat on his lap and he said to her, and what would you like for Christmas? The child stared at him, open-mouthed, aghast, horrified, and screamed at him, didn't you get my tweet? <laughs> I think that is so today, isn't it? This last week I've thought a lot about this message for today. What could I say? How... Should I say it? Is it to be a, a nice touchy feeling message full of Christmas cheer? No, I'm not sure about that. Maybe a message that is light and easily digestible, like a good mince pie. No, it's not me, not me that now. How about a message that is basically not the slightest bit challenging? Definitely not me that. You see, I believe that God has given me a message for this morning which is direct and straightforward. A message to make you ponder a little, 
A message to maybe make you think a little this Christmas. A message to maybe challenge you a little bit this Christmas. And I've entitled this message today, Is There Room? When Pope Julius I authorized December the 25th to be celebrated as the official birthday of uh, Jesus Christ in AD 353, who would have ever have thought that it would become the event that it is today? When Charles Folan, professor of German literature in Harvard University in America, lit candles on the first Christmas tree in America in 1832, who would have ever thought that the decorations would become so elaborate as they are today? When Sir Henry Cole, who set up the, who founded the post office here in England in 1843, sent the first Christmas card. Who would have thought that there in the UK this year alone he would send 900 million cards? It's a long time since 1843, longer still since AD 353, and longer still since a dark night be lightened by a special star in which Jesus, the King, was born. And now, as we approach December the 25th, it gives us yet another opportunity to pause. To pause in the midst of all the excitement. To pause in the midst of all the elaborate decorations and the excessive commercialization which we see every Christmas. To pause and consider again the event of Christmas and the person whose birth that we celebrate. I'll tell you, friends, to perceive Christmas through all of the tinsel, all of the wrappings, becomes more difficult every year. Today I've got uh, scripture readings from one verse, and it's from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 7. It says this, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And I want to put alongside that another scripture from Psalm 96, verse 9, and it says this, O worship the Lord, in the beauty of holiness, fear before him all the earth. Have you ever asked yourself or wondered why God, in God's infinite wisdom, would be doing by being born as a human being in a barn, in an insignificant backwater town, in a third world country, Palestine or Israel today. It makes you wonder if it was some kind of, of weird cosmic joke. 
And when you think about it, doesn't the account of the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke leave us scratching our heads in which the ways, in the which ways God actually chooses to work? I mean, what kind of God would choose to give up his perfect state in heaven? To be born as a human being and then dwell amongst us. So as we go into these last few days before Christmas, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. And I want to start by saying that Luke's Christmas story starts out by turning the whole world upside down. Or is it right way up? Because what would have been centre stage in the eyes of the world is to Luke a backdrop to a story. Luke tells us with brilliant irony that it's not the Caesars, it's not the emperors or the governors, it's not the kings and the queens, it's not the leaders of this world who are the central movers and shakers of our history. No, rather it's the humble birth of a baby boy in a small town barn who is the real mover and shaker of our history. For Luke, Caesars, emperors, governors, kings, queens and leaders, they will come and they will go. Yet this baby boy, Jesus, and his story continues on forever. Because the birth, friends, is the most important historical event ever. Yet, irony of ironies, paradox of paradoxes, so few people knew about it. So few people saw it. So few people believed it. So few people celebrated it with the proper pomp and ceremony with which it deserved. God does indeed work in mysterious ways. Who would have ever chosen to work like this? Who would have chosen the saviour of the world to be born in a barn with only a tiny handful of people to come and celebrate? Celebrate the most important historical event ever. Who would have chosen shepherds, the outcasts, the loners of society to be there to worship the Messiah? Who would have thought that magi from a foreign land, foreigners, would come thousands of miles to give him gifts? Instead of the religious people, just a few miles down the road. Luke really does paint for us a picture, a very upside down world. Or is it right way up? I suppose what Luke is really telling us this morning in these scriptures is that God reveals himself to us in the least likely of people and that God comes to us in the least likely of places. What a story. What a story. It really does give every one of us hope. But one of the most revealing of statements and one of the saddest too, I think, that Luke says is in our text that I read before when it says this, 
There was no room for them in the inn. How could this be? I mean, here we have the parents of the Messiah, the the Saviour, the Lord. It tells us that in verse 11. Yet there's no room for them. You would have thought that the innkeeper could, could have squeezed them in somewhere, somehow. Did Mary and Joseph tell the innkeeper who this baby really was? Or did they keep it a secret? Out of their own embarrassment? Out of their own safety? Surely, if the innkeeper had been told who Jesus really was, that he would have made room for them in the inn. Or if the innkeeper couldn't have found room for them, maybe one of his friends. Surely there must have been somebody in that town who would have welcomed them into their home. After all, the scriptures had taught them to welcome strangers and to uh, show them hospitality. Why was there no room for the Holy Family to go to other than a barn? Were they so blind as to who this was? Were they too busy with other things that they missed out on the importance of this birth? Were their lives too filled up with the events of this world, remembering at the time that people were travelling for all over Palestine because Caesar Augustus had issued a decree saying that there had to be a census, so people were making their way back to their hometowns. That they missed the most important event of them all. Were they suspicious towards them or hostile towards strangers? Believing maybe that strangers were somehow members of the enemy and and spying on them. Or were they, especially the innkeeper, weary with a kind of compassioned fatigue? After all, he had probably helped It had been a long day and he had probably helped enough strangers already. Mary and Joseph, well, they did arrive late and the citizens of Bethlehem had probably exhausted their welcoming, hospitable spirit. Maybe they were just too dog-tired to help another soul. Luke, for whatever reason, does not tell us. He does not explain to us why the innkeeper and the people of Bethlehem failed to offer a place to the Holy Family. But as I was thinking about this statement this week, been thinking about this all week, I wonder if things aren't really all that much different today. Are we too busy? with other things that we are missing out on the real reason of Christmas? Are we too filled up with the stuff going on around us that we have missed the message? Is there room for a saviour who saved the world in our world today? Is there room for a saviour in our nation, in our cities in our lives for a saviour who came to save the world. Look around you. 
And you will see in our society, it squeezes out. It, it has no time for an alarm-increasing number of people. People who are poor, infirmed, homeless, destitute. Why? Because there's no room for Christ in a lot of people's lives. More and more children in our nation are living in poverty. Why? Because there's no room for Christ in people's lives. More and more children in other parts of the world are treated in such indescribable evil ways. Why? Because there's no room for Christ in people's lives. The wars, the racial and ethnic prejudices, the exploitation of two-thirds of the world's nations, the lack of justice and mercy towards the poorest of the poor, the environmental destruction of our planet continues. Why? Because there's no room for Christ in people's lives. The very meaning of Christmas is being lost and twisted and garbled beyond all recognition by commercialism, by apathy, by selfishness. Why? Because there's no room for Christ in people's lives. People, you know, they get themselves so hyper, so psyched up by idealistic or romantic expectations of the perfect Christmas that there's no room for Christ in their lives. People are so deeply preoccupied with other gods of this world and they face it, they could be anything, that there's no room for Christ in people's lives and on and on and on and on and on it goes. But still, Luke tells us that there were some, albeit a minority, who did have room for Christ in their lives. They, like the child Christ himself, the least likely of folk, humble shepherds, and foreigners called magi who studied the stars. You and I, we are here today because we too, thanks to the sheer love and grace of God, have made room for Jesus in our lives. We haven't forgotten that Christ's birth is the reason for the season. So we come here today to talk about all the presents we're going to get, hopefully. We come here today to meet dear friends and family. But more importantly, we come here today to pay him homage and to offer him our worship. Because the birth of Christ, friends, ultimately leads people of faith to bow in awe, to bow in wonder, to bow in surrender, to bow in reverence to our King. Our psalm today puts it really well in verse 9. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. I like that phrase translated in the old King James Version as beauty of holiness. Because unlike some other translations, I believe these words refer to God and not us. The other translations seem to place the emphasis on us and not on God by their meaning, by their wording. 
our God really is a God of beauty and holiness. And faithful people have tried to communicate, communicate this down through all the ages in art and in, in, in poetry and in music and so on. But I believe that the most beautiful and the most holy God is to be found in a manger as a tiny baby. So worship him today, friends, with joy, the season of joy. Worship him today with joy and thanksgiving because he became one of us. He was born as one of us. He lived amongst us as one of us. And he shared completely our humanity, even to the point of suffering and a cruel death on the cross. Because, why? He loved us. And in this, his birth and his humanity, friends, we have the clearest example of God's beauty and holiness. Therefore, let's celebrate Christ's birth with, uh, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> with humanity today and every other day. Let's joyfully and lovingly share the good news of great joy with all people. Then maybe attitudes will change. Love, joy, peace, happiness, compassion... It'll replace hate, hardness of heart, cruelty, <coughs> indifference. There may be more and more people will have room in their lives for Jesus. There may be all of the evils and the injustices and the divisions and the wars and the hatreds so front and centre in this world and in our lives shall come to an end. For in the person of Jesus Christ, God has chosen to save the world. I want to finish by telling you a story. Where will we be without a story, eh? Maybe a true story, I don't know. And I wonder whether the, the, the group would come back actually at this time. Thanks, guys. Wonderful, by the way. There was this family... Every year, they put up a nativity scene in their front window for the world to see. All of the family were involved. Each of them carried out some of the pieces and placed them in the nativity scene in the window. It was a real family event and they looked forward to it every year. You know why? Because it kick-started the season for them. They all brought the pieces out. And finally, when everything was in place, Mary and Joseph, the manger, the baby Jesus in the manger, the three wise men, a mound of shepherds, and a whole load of barnyard animals were all in the right position. Finally, their young son, he brought out his favorite toy. A giant plastic Tyrannosaurus Rex. King of the dinosaurs. 
and he placed it at the back behind the stable so that it towered over the nativity scene and everything else that was there they tried to stop him they tried to stop him but the little boy insisted they tried to tell him that the dinosaur belonged to a different time a different age but the little boy insisted they tried to move it but the little boy insisted and got upset finally the family all looked at each other and decided to leave it there behind all the other figures a fierce dinosaur hovering over the manger and everything else but as you think about that and if you look at that scene I want you to picture that in your minds just now you see maybe the dinosaur just maybe it says more than we might think you see all of us here today over all of us there is this menacing character that threatens to rob us rob us of our joy rob us of our peace rob us of our happiness and Christmas friends reminds us Christmas friends tells us that the baby in the manger is far stronger far stronger than all the dinosaurs in your life far stronger than all the giants in your life far stronger than all of the hurdles in your lives and God has given us the victory through the gift of his son this morning friends God through Jesus Christ has come to help us help us in our time of suffering help us in our time of conflict help lead us in our time of uncertainty and to give us that victory over death this morning he is offering himself to us as a gift as a present as a sacrifice for our sins and all he is waiting for is for us to respond to his invitation so I am finishing this by saying I am asking you today I am asking you this morning please, please make room for him this Christmas God bless you all